grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And like I said earlier, our whole text today revolves around humility. And uh, humility is something that if you're thinking about trying to be humble, you don't have it. Humility just simply flows. It comes out of our very being. Today we learn about the humble little town of Bethlehem from Micah, the fifth chapter, and the prophecy of Christ's birth, which would come from there. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Dear friends of Christ, you know, God has always taken the small and made it significant. He took the people of Israel, and they were a nobody, from a man called Abraham, and, and he made them a nation, and he made them great, but they were never they were never a large nation. They were always a tiny blip on the world map. God made the weak nation of Israel strong. He, had, he does that. He takes the weak and powerless and empowers them and makes them bold. He takes the tiny infant and puts him in a manger. And that tiny infant becomes great. He takes little things and makes them great. What, about, what does he do, do with you? Well, in the Christmas story, we see all this taking place, and it unfolds in great humility as people realize they're small and insignificant compared to this magnificent event that's taking place. People are just role players in God's eternal plan, and they're thrilled to be there. He takes the unimpressive and makes them impressive. He takes the unassuming and makes them majestic. And all this unassumed simplicity is undergirded with a great spirit of humility. And so our theme for this morning, the lowly and the mighty. Micah pro prophesied the birthplace of our Messiah. He, he would come from an unassuming town named Bethlehem, and from Bethlehem would come a shepherd king. A shepherd who would also be a king. A shepherd king of, of no account. You see, a shepherd king had once been born there. In this little town of Bethlehem, oh, little town of Bethlehem, so small among the clans of Judah. And yet from this little town came a shepherd king. This little insignificant shepherd of, of no royal lineage. God used this lowly shepherd boy, and he made him great. And this little shepherd boy grew up, you know him to be King David, Israel's greatest king ever, the shepherd king. From the town of Bethlehem, and David was born from a father, and who was David's father? His name was Jesse, just a lowly shepherd man. Plain old Jesse. The Bible says he was from the shoot of the stump of Jesse, from the little town of Bethlehem. And the Bible pro prophesied another shepherd king would come from this insignificant village, from this little blip on the map, would come another shepherd king. What would be the chances of that? Another shepherd king from the region of Ephrathah, 
and Michael foretold this coming. A time when one who would be born would be greater than his ancestor, King David. He would be a greater shepherd. He would be a greater king. He'd be the good shepherd. He'd be the king of kings. He'd be more powerful and more majestic. And he'd come from humble parents too. Who was Joseph? Who was Mary? This coming shepherd king would not just come from a humble town and be born by humble parents. He would be born in a humble way. He would be born in a manger, in a stable. Not in a palace with royalty standing around. No, this king would be surrounded by lowly shepherds. And his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And he would be called King David's son. And he will be King David's Lord. And so God takes the unassuming, that which looks powerless, and he makes it, and he makes it great. He takes the little town of Bethlehem, And he makes it something to accomplish great things. And Bethlehem did. All this was prophesied even years before Bethlehem even got its name. Bethlehem got its name before all these things were prophesied. And before these things were prophesied, they named the town Bethlehem. This is how God's prophecy works. Even before the event happened, The name of the town was spoken. What does Bethlehem mean? It means house of bread. Now that's significant. That's pretty prophetic. This little town would be the birthplace of two shepherd kings, two great shepherd kings. And the latter shepherd king, Jesus, would be the one who would bring spiritual food to his people. Manna from heaven. From the house of bread would come the bread from heaven. Incredible. The good shepherd and the king of kings would give us body and blood on the cross. The good shepherd would become the lamb of God. Give himself to be the bread of life. And so from the house of bread comes the bread of life. And that's how Jesus comes to us in the Lord's Supper. He comes to us in that unleavened bread. He comes and he delivers his own body to us. From the house of bread comes the body of the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, unleavened bread, something so unassuming, just unleavened bread, something so tiny, so powerless, so meaningless, so insignificant as a piece of unleavened bread. comes something so powerful, so meaningful, so rich, so salvific as to offer eternal life to sinners, to deliver forgiveness of sin, and all that from a piece of unleavened bread. And from a tiny little village called Bethlehem, the house of bread. Isn't it amazing how God works through time and history? And the crowd celebrated the shepherd as their king, at least for a short period of time they did. 
they welcomed him into Jerusalem as, as their king, and they, and they shouted, Hosanna be to the king of David! Hosanna to this king! And they waved their palm branches. We have, we have a, a stained glass window commemorating the event. It was such a big deal. But soon, it didn't last long. Soon their voices would, and cries would change. Their voices revealed the ominous reality of prophecy. And they shouted, crucify. They shouted, crucify him. And they did, this child of humble birth, born in a small village, born in a manger, born in a stable, born of humble parents, was now dying on a cross. Not much to see here, right? Move along. Move along. Not much going on here. But remember, God takes the unassuming and He makes it majestic. And so Jesus, a great shepherd of the sheep, laid down His life to save the flock. Jesus, the good shepherd from the shepherding town of Bethlehem, where a little boy named David had once killed a lion in order to protect his flock. And from this little town would come another shepherd king who would also then kill our adversary, our spiritual adversary. For Peter writes, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he wants to devour the flock of Christ. And Jesus, to protect us from the mouth of this lion, laid down his life to save us from Satan's might. And he said these amazing words. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for the sheep. And we're the sheep of his flock. We are the sheep. We're the ones he's exalted. We're the ones he's lifted up. We're the ones that he came for, that he loved. We're the sheep that he saves. But there are also sheep in the fields of Bethlehem. I'm talking real sheep, not people sheep. And there, there were these sheep in the fields out, out, of, out of Bethlehem. The sheep that were being raised to be slaughtered for sacrifice. In the fields, the sheep were being raised and the blood of the lambs would be shed for the sake of the people. The sheep would die that the people might live. And so from this unassuming town of Bethlehem comes the house of bread and the unleavened bread and the body of Christ. The Lamb of God also comes, whom John the Baptist, who was in the womb of Elizabeth, pointed to Jesus later and when he grew older, he said, Behold, there is a Lamb of God. There is a Lamb of God from the house of bread, from the little town of Bethlehem, who was born in a, shep, in a stable, put in a manger, from humble parents, would die on a cross to take away the sin of the world. And his own blood was shed to save us. Jesus is trying to get us to understand all this. He spoke of the importance of humility. He spoke of the importance of the last being first and the first being last. He talked of the importance of sacrifice. And he said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 
Indeed, the Lord makes low the mighty, and he exalts the lowly. That's what he did to the little town of Bethlehem. That's what he did to the little shepherd boy named David. That's what he did to Zechariah and Elizabeth. We read about Zechariah and Elizabeth in our gospel lesson. Here you've got Zechariah and Elizabeth, and, and they wanted a child. All they wanted was a child just to be like normal parents, and they'd been praying for the Lord to just give them a child, and now they were of old age. The child-bearing years were past, and then all of a sudden an angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah in the temple because he was a priest doing his priestly duties. You're going to have a son, he says. And Zechariah didn't believe the words, and so until the birth of his son John, he would be mute. But John, his son, would be great, the forerunner, the final prophet of the Old Testament, the forerunner of the Messiah. Zechariah laughed at the news, but Elizabeth, in all humility, her heart was changed. The Lord had taken away her reproach. She was filled with humility and awe. Luke tells us that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, the mother of our Lord. And they were cousins, and they were both pregnant with great men, women of no account. Now Elizabeth was an old woman, and Virgin Mary was just a young teenager. But they were chosen, and they were blessed. Our Heavenly Father says, God chose you. You did not choose Him. And the amazing part of being chosen isn't that we brag about it. Elizabeth didn't envy Mary, that Mary's child was be greater than hers. Although she knew her child would be great, she knew that Mary's child would be the Savior of the world. And Elizabeth praises God for her good fortune. And Elizabeth praises God for Mary's good fortune. But once again, God chooses the unassuming and makes them majestic. He takes the lowly. He chooses the humble, the mean to accomplish His purposes. A little virgin girl made her name great. An old woman who was barren and made her name great gave her a child. And the Bible says, after these days, Elizabeth, Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. And she said, thus the Lord has taken away my reproach from among the people. And we know how Mary responded to, to her pregnancy. You would think this little teenage girl would be terrified. But she rejoices in the news that she'd give birth to God the Son. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on all nations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, he who is mighty, has done great things for me. Holy, holy is his name. Who talks like that? The Lord has visited me. I am nothing but a poor sinner. He's looked upon the lowly estate of his servant. And I don't deserve this. Holy, holy is his name. And you can hear the humility in her voice that the Lord has chosen her and made her name great. She knew she was unworthy. And so goes the Christmas story. The story of God making small things great continues in you. It continues in me. It continues in the people of His church and His flock. 
God exalts the humble. Those who call out upon him for mercy. And that's why Peter exhorts us, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. In the season of Christmas, let us live as humble people. But you know, if you're trying to live as humble people, you haven't really learned the spirit of true humility. True humility never asks the question, am I humble now? True humility is a lesson that is learned over time. And then it just simply responds in a humble way. Puts other people first. Lifts up the lowly. Makes great the person next to you. For God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And in the season of preparation of Advent, in the season of preparation, we take those words to heart. Humility is a beautiful way to be adorned, to welcome the newborn king, to kneel before the king of kings, who's born lowly in a stable, lying in a manger. And this king comes to us. It's humbling. Each week he comes to us to make us great. He visits us with his grace and he graces us with his presence. He comes not in judgment but in mercy. He comes not in judgment but in love. Not in wrath but in kindness. He comes to the humble and he comes to the small. He comes to those who confess their sins and kneel their knees and he makes them important and he makes their heart his throne he comes to those who are important makes them significant in the eyes of our heavenly father he comes to that which is weak and powerless and makes it bold and strong he comes to you the unimpressive and makes you impressive he comes to the unassuming and makes us majestic and those are the plans that he has for you and all this unassuming simplicity is undergirded by the spirit of humility so that we should say, who am I that the Lord should visit me this day with blessing? Who am I that a king should be born for me? Who am I that you should send a savior? that God would choose me to be great, that God would choose me to be his child, that he'd make me part of his flock, that he would shepherd me, that he would keep me, that he would protect me, that he would come to visit me in the bread of his holy communion, the way he visited Elizabeth and Zechariah. Who am I that Jesus would come to give me his own body and blood, but Jesus does? He comes to me and he comes to you with his grace, with his mercy, and with his love. And so, as you confess your word, live it out. As you confess that word, live it out by word and deed. Learn the humility that surrounds the whole Christmas story. Learn to be that which God has made you to be, his humble children, and make frequent visits to this house so that it might become your home and remind you of the eternal home that he's preparing for you. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.